Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. So let's show Lyle some love. We're excited to hear the word from him today. Amen. Awesome. Thanks, Lyle. Good morning, everybody. It's fun. I'm, I'm honored to be here. I'm honored to be called a guest speaker because really I'm just youth pastor here. But um, yeah, I'm happy to be here. Most Sundays I'm not. I'll just be honest with you. I'm, just, I'm kidding. That's what a guest speaker says, right? I'm happy to be here this morning. Um, how, everybody enjoy that Super Bowl last week? Oh yeah. Was anybody going for any particular team? We have some fans here. I know Britt was going for the 49ers, Chiefs, so you were happy, yeah. right? That was a good game. We actually uh, fell asleep after Usher sang. That was, that was the only thing we were interested in, reliving our glory days. Um, Clint's preaching is a lot. Um, shout out to Clint and Sarah if they're watching. Clint's preaching is a lot like football. You know, it's real action-packed. It's just like, boom. Boom, boom, point after point after point. Mine's more like a soccer game. Um, I'll be up here for an hour and a half, and there may be one good point. <laughs> but, but don't go to the bathroom, because you might miss it. <laughs> you never know. Britt Brit helped me come up with that joke last weekend. Um, no, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Today is actually... Me and Beth, our entire family's um, seventh anniversary of the first Sunday we came to Forward. So it was uh, seven years ago, the Sunday after um, Valentine's Day was our first Sunday here. Lucas was just three weeks old, and now he's seven, obviously. But uh, it's been an incredible journey um, the past seven years being a part of this body, and God's been really good. God's been extremely faithful to us, and I've learned a ton in the past seven years um, just about transformation and grace and the new covenant. I've also learned that uh, Clint cuts his own hair. I don't know if y'all knew that. You wouldn't be able to tell. Um, But... Seriously, I've, I've just, we've grown so much, we've benefited so much, we're happy to be a part of the staff. Um, I also learned that if you want to be on time somewhere, don't ride with Tracy Crane. That's, that's, a, that's important to, important thing to know as well. Uh, you still do. No, um... It's been great. Uh, we've, we've, um, we've, there's been some bumps along the way, um, and God's been faithful enough and gracious enough to walk us through it. Um, and we've also learned that, uh, you know, for the flack that, that Sam gets, he's not actually that old, okay? He was 34 when the Titanic sank, so he's not that old. <laughs> Titanic's sake in 1912, if y'all don't get the joke. All right, 
Um, so I, I don't have any slides. I don't, um, I, I'm going to be reading a few scriptures. Um, there's not really much for you to follow along with. It's, it's going to be a pretty simple sermon. So if you ever want to volunteer in kids' church, just wait till I'm preaching. You'll only be back there for about 30 minutes. I'm doing you a favor. Um, but as I was, I was, I was getting prepared for this, um, I felt like I do really good answering questions. That's like my favorite when people ask me questions and I have a moment to think about it. What's challenging for me is to speak 20 or 30 minutes about a topic. So I just felt like, once again, I had some pressure on me and, and God was like, put that pressure on me and just lean into me. And it was so cool, this, uh, this passage of scripture he gave me, which is what I'm standing on today is um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I'm going to read this. Y'all can turn there if you want or flip there in your phones, whatever you have. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come proclaiming the mystery of God to you in lofty words or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I came to you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. My speech and my proclamation were not with plausible words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on the power of God. Man, man, that just liberated me. That completely liberated me from, from feeling any expectation that I needed to impart some wisdom to you because I'm not a teacher. I'm, I'm, I'm someone who has had experiences that I want to share. I don't consider myself a teacher. The Holy Spirit's the teacher, amen? The Holy Spirit is the teacher. If you have the Holy Spirit, I'm confident in his ability to teach you. I think Clint said it a couple weeks ago. Um, he said, you know, if, if you get something while I'm talking, the Holy Spirit reveals something to you while I'm talking, that's the best sermon there is. And so that's my hope, is not that I impart anything in particular to you. I hope that something sparks through something we read and the Holy Spirit is able to take you off. That's my hope. And I'm not up here to preach anything new. Uh, just like Paul said, I, I just want to talk about Jesus Christ and him crucified. I want to talk about the person of Jesus. I want to talk about that God revealed himself to us in the form of Jesus. And I want to talk about what his crucifixion did for us, the price that he paid for us and the freedom that we have. Those are pretty, that's, that's all there is, folks. That's all I want to talk about. Jesus, who he is, and his crucifixion, what he's done for us. I'm going to read on, though, because it gets better. Um, this is verse 6. Yet among the mature we do speak wisdom, though it is not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to perish, but we speak God's wisdom, secret and hidden, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would have not crucify the Lord of glory. But it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, 
nor the human heart conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Listen to this next part, verse 10. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. Okay? God has revealed those things to us. He's revealed what no eye has seen. He's revealed what no ear has heard. He's revealed the plans that he's prepared for us. For what human being knows what is truly human except the spirit that is within? So also no one comprehends what is truly God's except the spirit of God. Now, man, this is good news. Verse 12, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit that is from God, so that we may understand the gifts bestowed upon us by God. Man, amen. Everybody in here is a participant, okay? Not a pupil. There's a difference. If you're in here right now, you're taking part in this. You're taking part in this. God wants to work with you, okay? And I, I'm not up here preaching at you or teaching at you. We're all in this together, learning together. We're participants. I don't want it to ever be that relationship where I'm up here and I'm solely trying to think about teaching you something. The Spirit of God is in you, and it's revealed all things to you inside. Okay? So we're working together. I want to share a little bit about my experience in the past seven years. Um, because, like I said, I've, I've learned a ton. I, we came in the first Sunday, and uh, if I'm being completely honest, I was... I was done with God. I was, um, I'm sure, you know, many of you have had similar experiences where uh, you're kind of like, is this it? Am I, am I just going to church to get good advice for the rest of my life? Is this it? I looked at most of the churches I grew up in as good advice churches. As we all know, the gospel means good news, Right? And there's a difference between advice and news. So let's say your boss comes to you and he says, all right, um, I've got some great advice. This is what you have to do for the next eight hours, and then you're done with the day, okay? Or he could come to you and say, I've got good news, you're off today, right? There is a complete difference in there, okay? All of a sudden, that good advice isn't so good. The good news trumps that. But a lot of churches will just give you good advice. This is what you need to do in order for God to do this. This is what you need to do to make God pleased with you. This is what you need to do to make God happy, et cetera, et cetera. This was the first church we ever came to that was the Good News Church, that Christ, that Christ has joined himself to you, that that union that was broken in the garden has now been restored through the blood of Jesus, and all you have to do is let him love you. Because if you let him love you, and if you experience that love, then from that, the good works and the good fruit will flow. Not the other way around. You don't do good things or you don't behave well to receive God's love. You receive God's love, and out of that, the fruit comes. And, you know, the good things come. It's not behavior modification. We don't care about that. But So we sat back there 
And um, I was done with God for sure. And um, it was just completely different. I'd never heard anybody speak um, like Clint had, and I, I learned a lot. But one of the things that uh, went off like a time bomb in me was the exercise he had us do at the end where we bowed our heads and he said to, you know, say to yourself, I'm righteous. And I did that. And it was brutal. It was like, like this, this, this atomic bomb went off inside of me. And because I knew I wasn't righteous. I knew my behavior, my thoughts, my actions, none of that lined up with righteous. And so I went home, we went home and yeah, that was good. We'll probably go back. But the entire week, I was just battling. I was just battling these thoughts, and I was battling this controversial, oh, I'm righteous thought, to the point where the imbalance became so great that Friday, uh, I was set to go to work, and I had like this massive anxiety attack and panic attack, and um, I'd never had anything like that before. So I didn't know what it was. So um, if, if you're battling that today, I don't mean to make light of it, but looking back on it now, it's, we, I mean, we called the ambulance. We, <laughs> I, um, it, was, uh, it was quite an experience to um, walk through that for the first time ever. Um, but God was faithful in that. For the next year and a half, I completely experienced God and responded to his love. And from that, everything in my life and in our lives changed just by experiencing his goodness. This verse y'all probably all know well, it's Romans 2, 4. And uh, it says it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And that was one that stuck with me that his kindness leads to repentance. There's three main things in there that, that I, I kind of um, zeroed in on. It's that his kindness then leads us to repentance. Now, growing up in, in churches, you hear repentance as you got to feel sorry, you got to grovel, you got to feel shameful, um, you got to apologize a bunch, a bunch. That's, that's what repentance is, right? And... Um, it wasn't until we started going here that I, I learned that repentance just means to change your mind, just to change your mind, look at things differently. And so now I looked at that verse as his kindness leads me to changing my mind. And his kindness just isn't a, a singular act. Like I can be kind to Bethany or the boys or one of you guys and then hop back into something else. God's kindness is his character. It is who he is. So his kindness leading you to repentance is an experience with him is what leads you to repentance. And that word lead, that word lead means to, to grab someone or something by the hand and walk with it, okay? Not drag, not force, not push, not pull. God's kindness, God's presence an experience of God is what takes you by the hand very lovingly and walks with you forward until you change your mind about the way you see yourself and the way you see the world and the way you see God. It's His kindness. I can't 
And that's, that's the order, right? Notice that it's his kindness that leads to repentance. Not your repentance leads to his kindness. Okay? You can't truly change your mind until you have a true experience with God. Otherwise, you're just, you know, changing your behavior. But this, we're talking about a true experience with God. The creator of the heavens and the earth is what leads you to changing everything. Um, I want to piggyback off of Bethany's sermon about um, thought life because the way you think is huge and it is important. Um, You've got to learn how to control your thoughts or your thoughts will control you. Now, all this stuff is just religious busy work unless you are doing this with the Spirit and unless... You are allowing grace to empower you. It's just religious busy work. You'll be on a treadmill trying to do this stuff on your own. So in order to control your thoughts, you've got to allow the Spirit to to impress you or allow the Spirit to lead you. So Romans 12, 2, everybody knows that one as well. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the knowing of your mind, okay? Conform means to be squeezed or molded or shaped to the way of this world. Now, the way I look at it is, if I could paraphrase this verse or put it in a Lyle version, it would be, do not be a product of this world, be a product in this world. There's a huge difference, okay? If you go to Walmart, I've used this analogy before, But if you go to Walmart, there's products of Walmart, which I believe is Sam's Choice, right? Go Sam's Choice. And then there's products in Walmart from somewhere else, okay? Coca-Cola is sold in Walmart, but it's not a product that Walmart makes. So you, just like you guys, are from somewhere else. It is important not to conform to the pattern of this world. The pattern of this world is death, unfortunately. I hate to break it to you. It's, it's chasing after fleeting things that will not fill you up. That's right. It's running after, it's running after uh, uh, success. It's running after pleasure. It's running after drugs, anything, you name it. This is all temporal stuff that will not fill you up. But the Spirit of God can. And so if you have said yes to Jesus, you've got a new heart. You've got a new heart. You've got a new spirit. Ezekiel 36, 26, or 26, 36, I always get them mixed up, but says that I'll put a new heart in them, a heart of flesh, and remove the heart of stone. I will give them a new spirit that seeks after my, my statutes. And so if you've got a new heart, that heart will collaborate with your mind. It will collaborate with your mind. 50,000 thoughts a day. Y'all are going to like this part. You think 50,000 thoughts a day. That's a lot. Now, a thought is, you know, where are we going to eat today? Um, You know, are the kids ready for school? How long is Lyle going to take? These are all thoughts, okay? (laughs) Now... This is staggering. This is wild. 98% of those thoughts are the same thoughts you had yesterday, 
and the day before, and the day before. Just think about that for one second. That'll be another thought. But think about that for one second. 98,000 thoughts. That means that you are subconsciously doing the same things you've been doing for the last 5, 10, 15 years. That's a hard habit to break, right? That is a hard habit to break unless, unless you allow the transformative power of grace to help you. If you do not allow grace to help you, then changing will be infinitely, infinitely more difficult. I always get like going on a tangent and then I take a side note and then when I have to go back to what I was saying, I was like, dang, I forgot it. I was on the money too and I was forgetting it. But uh, so controlling your thoughts is huge and your heart has to collaborate with your mind, okay? You've got a new heart, a new heart, and it has to feed what you think and what you think then feeds your heart they have to work in symmetry and in motion together because what happens is living from your new heart will persuade your mind to begin to think different about everything but if you continue to allow your mind to consume negative things it will affect the receptivity of your heart or the softness of your heart i'm going to say that one more time one more time. Living from your new heart will persuade your mind to begin to think differently about everything. But if you continue to allow what your mind consumes to be negative, it will affect the receptivity of your heart. So what I'm saying is mature believers, mature Christians will be motivated by protecting the freedom and responsibility that you now have in Christ. So it's not legalistic to want to stay out of sin, okay? Sin will kill you. Before you knew Jesus, sin was the answer to getting what you wanted. Then you came to know Jesus, and growing up like me, it was staying out of sin is what made God happy with you. Staying out of sin was what gave you your righteousness. Staying out of sin is what made you clean. And uh, that's not right. Jesus was our sacrifice. To the T, Jesus followed every rule. He was obedient to the Father, obedient to the law. And now we gain his righteousness because of his work on the cross. He has joined us together with him. And so now, as a believer who's got a new heart, what you let into your mind can affect the softness of your heart. I'm talking about what's in pop culture, music, movies, TV, politics, any of these things, any of these things that you allow into your mind to affect your heart, it, it will. And so... When I talk about softness of the heart and the receptivity of the heart, um, I put it this way. I've been, I've been working out at the gym for the past year. Thank you. And uh, yeah, I now have the, uh, the physical equivalent of a high school basketball player, which is good if you're a high school basketball player, but I'm 35 years old. Um, 
So, however, when I first started working out, one of the things I noticed that my hands got were calluses. Justin probably knows about these because he works out all the time. But you get calluses on your hand, okay? And those calluses are protect you from actually feeling the bar pinching, okay? Listen, when you allow sin in your life, your heart will start to become callous towards being able to hear God. You will not be able to feel him. Now, your heart is good, right? God gave you a new heart, okay? I don't want you to think that, you know, you're going to lose everything, but you want to approach this with a level of personal responsibility so that you can keep that connection and hear from God easily. So the callous or the, um, the callousness of your heart will affect the receptivity of being able to hear from God. Also, it'll make your heart numb to, you, to where you can't feel. I remember I got a, a tooth pulled when I was really young and they numbed my face and the lady said, don't bite your lip, okay? And I was like, why would I do that? I didn't even want to do it until you said to do it. So now that's all I can think about. And I couldn't feel anything. So I'm just in the car waiting for my dad and I'm just like, just chewing on it. And after a few minutes, I'm like, I think I'm tasting blood. But then once, you know, once the Novocaine wore off, I mean, I was in excruciating pain. I had, you know, bit a good bit of my lip, just, just biting on it. Yeah, damaging, right? Right. So, you know, sin can numb your heart. And I cannot, I cannot emphasize this enough. The motive, the motive is what makes the difference. If your motive is to stay out of sin because you want to make God happy, you're going to wear yourself out. That was what we did, you know, in every church we went to. Our motive for obeying or for staying out of sin was to make God happy or to make ourselves feel better. On this side of the cross, when you receive your new heart and you've had that experience with God and His kindness, the motive to staying out of sin is because you want to protect your relationship. You want to protect your relationship. You want to be able to feel the love coming from God so that you can reciprocate it. I don't, I don't do things in my relationship with Bethany just to get something from her. It's a response of her love to me and my love to her. And it's in a circular motion. I'm never, I never clean the house because I'm trying to get anything, you know? I never clean the car because I'm trying to get anything. I do these things as a response to her love for me, and then she'll do things for me as a response to my love for her. That's the way our relationship with God is. And we don't do things to purposely hurt each other because that damages the relationship. So when you're looking at sin, you stay out of it because it keeps your heart soft. And it keeps your relationship with God healthy so you can hear Him. Guarding your heart and mind above all else, guard your heart. That's Proverbs 4.23. Like we were just saying, stay out of sin. I do want to just really hit this point home that your heart and your brain are connected. You feel things in your heart. God, when God gives you a revelation, it's in your heart. He'll give you a revelation in your heart, and then your mind will be able to piece it together and comprehend it. Okay? And if that's hard to understand, just think about holding a baby. 
okay? Right when that baby's born, babies don't understand English, you know? They don't know how to say anything, but they feel, they feel in their heart when they're safe. They feel in their heart when you're holding them and you're protecting them. They feel it when you're, you know, angry or frustrated. They feel it when it's, you know, dark in the middle of the night and you hit the coffee table with your foot because your wife moved it and she didn't tell you. They feel that sort of stuff, right? We feel things. God gives us things. He reveals things to us in our heart, and then our mind begins to comprehend those things. They work together. They collaborate. And that's why we, that's why we, that's why we renew our minds, okay? We renew our minds to the truth and the reality that's already been placed in our heart, okay? We renew our minds to new things that God gives us or says to us, and we confirm that. We confirm that with His Word. We confirm that with, with loved ones, with trusted elders, with, with other people. We confirm things that He's told us. Um, so when we walked through, I, I walked through anxiety and depression for a few years and um, I knew that there had to be a lot of changes because this was all information that God was giving me. This was all things he was telling me. And um, my motive, I, I completely had my eyes on him. And I just said, I, I want to get rid of everything that is hindering our relationship from being close and connected. And so a lot of that looked like getting stuff out of my, my life and getting new stuff in my life. Um, so I began this journey. And a lot of it had to, had to do with, you know, mind, mind transformation in the morning, praying, and surrounding myself with good people. And I just remember wanting to do it so bad because I wanted to experience freedom in Christ. And this is what he paid for. This is what he paid for. I, I run into too many people now that are still on the religious treadmill of trying to do good and do right, and that's what wears people out. There's eternal life to be had right now on earth. In John, in John 17, Jesus is praying, God, I pray that they would experience eternal life. And this is eternal life, that they know you and the one you sent. And I can't emphasize that enough. There are going to be problems. There are going to be tough struggles and trials. But if you know God, and I'm talking about that intimate relationship, not just knowing about God, not just not just being able to spout verses off, not just being able to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I pray to God. But if you know him intimately, if you've experienced God, man, that's life-changing. That is life-changing. That, that changes everything in your life. That's, that's the desire, right? Because when you know God, you can experience eternal life now. You can experience eternal life now, like I was saying. There will be tough stuff. But when you keep your eyes on the Father, when you keep your eyes on Jesus, when you are experiencing 
renewing your mind every day and His Spirit working in you. Man, the trials, the struggles, they do not carry the same weight. They do not carry the same weight. And you're able to navigate through them with grace. And I'm talking about that empowering grace, that strong grace. Not just, oh, Lord, help me get out of this one. You know, I'm talking about the stuff that empowers you and makes you bold. We take ourselves out of the race. I cannot emphasize that enough. We are, we are more mean to ourselves than we can even imagine. You are your negative self-talk, your I'm never gonna, I'm always gonna be like my mom, you know, I'm, I'm this and that. Like you do it to yourself, right? God doesn't look at you that way. Jesus doesn't look at you that way. I was talking to Brennan yesterday, and uh, it's crazy having three boys. They're extremely competitive. And a girl, she's different though. She's a princess. She doesn't get any of that, that craziness with the boys. But the boys are so competitive, and I, I see it in such a young age. And it's not anything they're taught. It's just something that they learned growing up. And uh, Samson, being 11, is a few years ahead of Brennan, who's nine, when it comes to playing soccer. And we're just playing in the backyard. But I can see it happening. They start talking to each other, you know, and then they'll grab each other, get a little physical. And then next thing I know, they got each other by the shirt, just swinging around, you know, and I'm just like, oh, no, I missed it. Okay. And then Brennan, sweet, tenderhearted Brennan will say, I quit. I'm done. I'm not playing anymore. And he, he goes inside. And so we had a talk yesterday, and I told him, I was like, buddy, you take yourself out of the game. I was like, I know it's tough, and I know Samson's trying to get in your head, and I know that you think he's bigger and stronger and faster than you, but he's doing that because he's intimidated by you, because he's your biggest you know, competitor. He wants to get you to take yourself out of the game. Folks, that's what we do. That is what we do. We take ourselves, and we disqualify ourselves from everything, from everything. Have you ever gone to pray for somebody and been like, I think I'd rather have so-and-so pray for you because they're more holy than I am. Or they probably have a better track record. I think they could get you healed before I can. Hello, are you kidding me? I've done that. It's insane. We disqualify ourselves. The same blood, the same love, the same Jesus died for everyone, all the same. I can't emphasize that enough. Everybody, we are all participants, all participants. Brothers and sisters working together to bring the kingdom and help people experience the kingdom on earth, help people experience eternal life now, to set people free, to set the captives free. We're all doing this together. Do not disqualify yourself. You are, you are far too valuable and far too precious to look at yourself the way you do. Far, like, do you think God sent his son to earth to die for worms, to die for, you know, pieces of garbage? No, absolutely not. You can tell how much something is worth by how much somebody is willing to pay for it. 
you can tell how much something is worth by what somebody is willing to pay for it. What was the price for you? God's son. Do not disqualify yourself. Do not disqualify yourself. Stand with me if you would. Let's just, let's just pray. Take a few deep breaths. Just relax your shoulders. Father God, we thank you. God, we love you. We just want to be soft in this moment. We want to allow your love to, to move us. Thank you, God, that you love us just because we're your children. That whether we do right, do wrong, you look at us and you love us because we are your children. And you delight in us, God. When you look at us, you see Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice that made us right with the Father. Thank you, Jesus. That separation we experienced in the garden, that union now redeemed, the gap between us and the Father, you've bridged. Thank you, Jesus, so much for being obedient on our behalf. Thank you for your spirit, God. Thank you so much for your, your divine wisdom, your plan that has made a way for us to understand you and to hear from you directly. We don't have to go to church. We don't have to listen to sermons, God. We can get outside and we can talk to you and we can experience you just in those moments because you made it possible, Father. Because you made it possible. God, thank you for giving us new hearts, new hearts that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Lord, I, I'm sorry myself, sometimes I, I settle for, for less. My new nature desires righteousness and hungers and thirsts for it, God. I thank you for all my brothers and sisters in here, God. God, I thank you that you're moving in their lives and in their workplaces. I thank you that you've revealed yourself to them. I thank you that you've been faithful to them. You were kind, God. You were good, God. We just want to be, we just want to be soft. We want to, we want to hear from you. We want to be pliable, God. We allow our hearts to be molded by you. We approach it with personal responsibility, God. We desire our relationship with you to be strong, to be healthy. Thank you so much, Father. In Jesus' name.